What, what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So welcome to the online audience and welcome to everyone that is here. Is anyone in position of neutrality for the first time tonight? One or two of you? Very good. First of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advice, you're, you're in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. Primary reason is we intend for you to have a different experience here. So what we do here, we've been doing for lots of years, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week, directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery, why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what happens here, so you know what I'm gonna try to do, is I'm gonna try and show you how I find my experience in the book and encourage you to have your experience. And if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness by a show of hands that that happened? So for those of you online, you can't see, but a lot of them raised their hand. So when we talk to you about a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking about a tangible experience, a sensory experience. You'll feel it. And when you do, I'll know, and I'll call it to your attention, because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? And tonight we're in more advanced mental and emotional discipline. We're in a conscious walk. So we're going to take a look at steps 10 and 11. And I'm going to start with the ninth step promises and then ease into the instruction for 10 and 11, and we'll see if we can glean some new revelation from what these authors' experience is. How many of you know who wrote this book? The First 100. The first 100. And they, they titled the book Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered. So it was the first 100 that wrote the book about the first several thousand they witnessed the recovery of. Okay? So when people add to or take from the book, we take offense because it's their testimony, not ours, and we believe here that the efficacy of the 12 steps has been diminished by people taking license and adding to their witness. So if you, this isn't what you do, that's fine. That just doesn't make them wrong. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm going to start in the ninth step promises. So I'm on the bottom of page 83. It says, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So what do they mean when they say new? Unlike anything they'd ever experienced before. So this is a, it wasn't just freedom from alcohol, because although they were unfamiliar with freedom from alcohol, it wasn't new. So what did they ask for in three? Relieve me of the bondage of self. So now they're recognizing, by this rate state of their development, they're recognizing their liberation from the bondage of self. They're realizing, even though half of them were atheists or agnostics, that this power we call God met them where they were and was delivering on their promise. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, we'll not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why not? How many of you are working with others and have found that your past is what you use to be relatable? Okay. So you see these are states of beings rather than just a list of things on a wall. And I like people to understand this is a state of being that they experienced. 
And they're, they're, it's like a guide for us to judge where we are spiritually. Okay? So we'll comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. How does one comprehend? How does one know? And there's a difference between and this, right? I may have knowledge, but when I really know something, evidence won't dissuade me. And you know what I'm talking about? Because they said they had the absolute certainty that their creator did in their heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. So they didn't just have a belief, they had a faith that worked. Okay. All right, so no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Why did that happen for them? Or did our perceptions get better? Sometimes life got better. I, I sobered up, got into these disciplines. My life sucked <laughs> for a long time, but my perception was better. I realized that the God I served was preparing me for something. So I, I don't want any, some people, the life gets better, and we, ah, I want what they have, and I'm willing to go to any length to get it. And then people look at what I had going on, they're like, better get some garlic to hang over that guy's door. I'm just telling it like it is. Some of these people know what I'm talking about. Some of, you, some of you saw it, and some of you had the same experience. So it doesn't always get glittery right away. But you're sitting in the manifestation of faith that works. Okay. All right, so our whole attitude upon an outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us, and we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves are these extravagant promises. Of course they're extravagant promises. And the reason they brought that to our attention is they're saying, though extravagant, they materialize. Right? So Because we're, we've had people sell us stuff before, right, that wasn't quite what they said. Or I'm the only one. Okay. I was in the car industry for a while, so that happened a lot. Um, and we did the same thing to them. Okay, so <laughs> they're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. And now they're going to talk to us about the continuing effort to discipline our thoughts. Walk consciously in the world. Make sense? Okay, so this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests as we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if I'm going to continue, I must have started. So when did I start taking personal inventory? They showed me a suggested way in step four. And when did I start setting right wrongs? With the list I created in four, I started prosecuting those amends to be made. Yes? Okay. So we're going to do that when? As we go along. This is why I don't like the use of the words work the steps as opposed to live the steps. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. It doesn't say we have to work it because we're worth it. <laughs> because you're going to start right. The big amends is going to be going out and carrying this message to others. And you're going to have to get fit enough to do it. But the funny thing is there's stuff that's scary. And until we're working with somebody and they embarrass us because what they're willing to do and we're not willing to do, we don't grow. 
they push us through our steps. It's a manner of living. So, so it says that, that we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So when did they last speak to us about a way of living? Any of you remember that chapter 5, that real hopeful chapter, rarely we've seen a person fail. They told us the people who don't recover, who are they? Naturally incapable, grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. They wouldn't have told us that condition if they weren't going to lay out precisely what, when I need to be rigorously honest and what about. Right? So they're now getting me ready through the, the fourth step. It showed me that the world was not causing how I thought and felt. It was reflecting how I was thinking and feeling. Now I need to catch it in the thought life before I go out and act out in it or emote and get stuck. Ever, ever get stuck in a thought and it caused an emotion? You might not act outwardly, but you're just paralyzed. So we want to get disciplined in the thought life and not buy into that nonsense, right? Because by now we know who we are and we know whose we are and the world don't own us, right? Okay. So we have entered the world of the spirit. So what's it like to have entered the world? They didn't equivocate. They didn't say some of us entered the world of the spirit. They said we have entered the world of the spirit. So what's it like? They just told us, didn't they? We don't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it, we, right? They, the, 12, the nine step promises aren't a poster on the wall, they're actually states of being. I'm aware of my thoughts apart from those thoughts. I'm aware of my emotions apart from those emotions some percentage of the time. Does it make sense? Okay. All right, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Understanding of what? Effectiveness at what? There's no wrong answer, right? Depend on where you are in your development. How, how many of you have grown an understanding of yourself as having an illness? How many of you have grown an understanding of this power we call God as being tangible power and not something that you couldn't get to know, couldn't form a relationship? How many of you have gotten more effective at seeking guidance inward instead of outward? Find out the answer for you, because that's important. Okay. So we're growing in effectiveness, and eventually we're going to learn when and how to give, right? They'll tell us that next chapter. All right, so this is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? John always says four. He doesn't have all the right answers. He just has all the right answers for Sean. So I contend that long before I ever heard of AA or was shown a four-step inventory, I could spot selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear in you very quickly. I didn't realize I was looking through the lens of my thoughts. So I misjudged many moments because I was looking at my thoughts and not your action or hearing your words. And I've often judged you before you ever uttered a word simply by the way you looked. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So I missed some opportunities to serve as a result. Okay, so it says when these crop up, you notice how they just gave us a promise. Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, if you are human, will crop up. So this is a handy little trick for an addict of the hopeless variety to know that my ease and comfort comes from within, not out there. Okay, so we ask God at once to remove them. So when we say God, what are we talking about? Power, and where is this power found? 
deep down inside. And in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found, they said. Remember, half of them were atheists or agnostics. So if you're still skeptical, do what they did. You'll experience what they did. And if you don't, keep doing it because it doesn't make them wrong. They said sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize. So claim the promise, get disciplined. Make sense? Okay. So we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly. If we've harmed anyone, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So who would that be? Anyone but me. There's nothing in the steps that suggests I can help me. I have proven what I can do for me. I get put on a scrap heap. And then I'm taken from a scrap heap and raised to a level of life better than the best I've ever known. And I remain in that protection so long as I serve. Right? Okay. So love and tolerance of others is our code. So those of you new to fellowship, did you know we had a code? Love what? Tolerate what? Love the people, tolerate the behavior. Right? Learn to separate the sinner from the sin, my church friends. Okay? All right. So that is the principles we practice in all our affairs. And I like people to know that because there's another book and they gave us a long list of principles, and it's all useful teaching, but it is not their collective experience. Theirs is watch, ask, discuss, turn. Right? Because this book was written 15 years earlier, so the other list is not applied here, even though people try to. So this is a, a disciplined walk. Make sense? Okay. So then it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. So now we're in what people call 10-step promises. And we don't see those on a wall. I don't know whether people just don't talk about this level of consciousness or no one ever pointed it out to them. But I want you all to know about it because this is a miracle. This is when I know the guy that could not stop using no matter what. They, they chained me up. They locked me up. I was in comas. I got out and went and did it again. And then one day, pow, never happened again. Why? I don't know why, but I do know who. And it weren't me. You got me? Okay. So we've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. So in two, I was just hoping for it. What is insanity, according to the authors? A lack of proportion, the inability to think clearly, an appalling lack of perspective, he said. And I mean, the obvious manifestation, of course, is what, what Sean's talking about. I don't disagree with him. I don't think any of you. What I knew about my condition and what I continued to do in spite of what I desperately wanted not to do, I mean, that's, a, that's an outward look. But that was a symptom of a deeper insanity, right? That was, before I took that drink, that was driving me. So although I wanted temporary relief, I was cashing in a whole life to get it. That's an appalling lack of perspective. The only reason we call that to your attention is sometimes people make stuff up and they'll say, well, it's doing the same thing, expecting different results. And that's fine. It may be true for other people that that's a sign of insanity, but it's not alcoholic insanity because I did the same thing with no expectation of a different result. <laughs> this is going to suck. Watch. <laughs> but it was an appalling lack of perspective, right? Again, their testimony, not somebody in 
modern-day rooms. Okay, so it says, we'll seldom be interested in liquor if tempted will recoil us from a hot flame. Those of us in Phoenix, Arizona today know what that is. If you, ac <laughs> you accidentally touch your car, no one has to coach you to get off of it. So that's a sane reaction to a dangerous situation. But we didn't have that same reaction to chemicals, did we? But now they promise we will have as we grow spiritually. I'm seldom interested, but when tempted, I'll recoil. So think about that promise. If you don't believe that, talk to some of the people that are working with others. We really have had that experience, and may, that's our experience. Okay, so we react sanely and normally, and we'll find this has ha happened automatically. So that's when we know it's a miracle. That's how we know that our prayers were answered, is that it, I didn't will alcohol away. In fact, I don't quit anything. I am not a quitter. People say, it's good you quit that, Joe. I said, no, I didn't quit that. It was removed from me. I tried to quit it. I don't quit nothing. Some of you may know that. <laughs> we'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. How many of you had that come over you? You just were less interested. There was other things to do. Didn't think about it. How many of you have gone to the bar and seen them doing the nice... Tippy sippy. <laughs> and the only thing I'm looking at is, what a waste of effort. <laughs> Put that some bitch in a bag, give me a curb, right? <laughs> anyway. Different attitude. Anyway. So it just comes, that's the miracle of it. We're neither fighting it nor neither are we avoiding temptation. So you see, it's not human effort. I lost the power of choice in drink. Because I am that alcoholic. I can't make a decision or a choice to not do that. I can lie to me and think I did, but the fact is I made a decision to speak, seek spiritual growth, and I ask for help in that endeavor, and as a result, I enjoy a cer certain spiritual inebriation that does not require me to anesthetize in the world. Hasn't for some time. Okay. So we feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. So you've heard about new freedom, the new freedom, you're in new freedom, and then we're at position of neutrality, safe and protected, the name of this meeting. That's more for our scientific minds. How many of you understand that if you're in a position of neutrality, you're neither acting or reacting? You're in a realm that at the cellular level, you are action-reaction. So have you not been raised above the laws of this world? As long as you're conscious, you have, right? Because you have the power to be kinder than you feel like being. You have the power to love the unlovely. Pretty cool stuff, huh? All right. All right. So we have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. So what's the problem? Lack of, lack of power was our dilemma, which is, which is a confront, confronting a situation that has two equally objectionable outcomes. That's what a dilemma is, if you define it. But our, our main problem centers in our mind, they said. So what is, they, our, our real problem is this fear problem that drives all our manifestations of self. How many of you have become less fearful as you've gotten to know who you are and whose you are and who all these other are? Right? Okay. So our fear has been removed 
to a large extent, yes, and we're as we're growing in the spirit, right? Okay, so it does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. That's how I know they're talking about the fear problem because that would be fight or flight. So they're describing it pretty clearly there, aren't they? So that's our experience. So we want you to call your attention. That's the first 100s collective experience. If it's not your experience, it doesn't make them wrong. They already told you. Rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. If you didn't get their experience, there may be a path issue. They didn't say paths, they said path. And the path is the power. Don't let anyone delude you. Right? All right, so that is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So how would I know? If I would need to know I'm in fit spiritual condition, how would I know? Because that would freak me out. Am I fighting anything or anyone? You're in this world, you're not of this world. What are you fighting with illusions for? How many times a day do we have to tell ourselves that? Lots. Many times each day, right? That's what they said, too. Interesting. All right. So, so all we got to do is just reverse engineer it, okay? It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. So they're acknowledging how easy it is to fall back into slumber to start thinking other people are causing how we think and feel, to start feeling self-pity for something that happened to us that instead of believing that it happened for us and we just don't see the outcome yet. How many of you have had something happen to you that you realized was a setup and you just didn't recognize it as what it was? Come on, we all know that's true. Okay, so we're headed for trouble if we do for alcohol as a subtle foe. If we're not cured of alcoholism, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So what do they mean? I'm in a place where people around here know about reprieves. What do they mean when they say reprieve? You're not going to die today. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, haven't, they haven't canceled the sentence. It's still there. But we're... So then it goes on to say that Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our, our activities. Which activities? Practice these principles in all our affairs. Now they've told me the principles. Watch, ask, discuss, turn. Now I'm going to carry them in every moment. I'm going to walk consciously in the world to the best of my ability. And the beauty of this is when someone offends you, you'll know that you've fallen into slumber. So you... Bless them for waking you up rather than curse them for disturbing your slumber. <laughs> that's going to require a power greater than you, but that's really the walk. Okay. So then they talk about how they do it. And again, this is a long time ago, and these people wrote down things in King James language. So if you do not speak in King James language, feel free to utilize words that convey that message without using King James language because God knows how you talk. Okay. So they said, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. The not mine is in parentheses for a reason. There is no opposite to God's will. There is God's will and Joe's opposition to it. God's will and Lance's opposition to it. God's will and your opposition to it. There is no opposite to God's will. You may be used as a change agent, but you won't be doing that when you're disagreeing with what is, because what is, is. Make sense? Okay. 
So we'll, that, that, that not mine delusion will go away by the 11th step instruction, and I'll show you that so you don't think I'm making shit up, because I've been known to, but I'm not in this case. Okay. So these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. When? And why would they have to go with them constantly? Because my senses will lie to me, and I'll feel under attack on a fairly constant basis if I don't stay awake. That's why. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. What willpower are they telling me to exercise? The will to discipline my thought in spite of the evidence. I know who I am and whose I am, and you're a liar when you try and diminish that. You cannot have my identity today. Right? But that's what I use the will for. Not to push against the wind. Well, I use it to push against the wind, but that's not the proper use of the will. Right? Right? It, you're going to need your will. God didn't want your will. He wanted it properly aligned. And once it's properly aligned, you're going to need it to agree with God for your destiny. Okay. So much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who had all knowledge and power. So when did they talk to us about him, capital H, who has all knowledge and power? At the encounter, right? As soon as we admitted the possible existence, power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowed in. Knowledge and power flowed in. How many of you have had that experience at least? If you haven't, man, grab somebody. Let us introduce you to power. Don't run around powerless in this world. For, for addicts, it's really dangerous. But for all humans, it's not a good idea. So if we've carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. Now, they're clearly talking about a tangible experience they all had. They shared it with the first several thousand. We're talking about a flow of the Spirit, a tangible expression. And when you have it, whoever you're in contact with, they'll share it with you. We will know. That is our signature with one another. That's how I'll know who you are and whose you are if I've never met you before the minute we have that signature. That's how we know each other. In the fellowship of the Spirit, they'll talk about later in the book. Okay? All right, to some extent, we become God-conscious. Conscious, the awareness of being aware. So I've now, to some extent, become power-conscious. I am empowered. It's not of me, but it's in me. Yes? And, and, and it seems to be more activated when I think of how to help you because it flows through me very freely when I'm focused on you. Does that make sense? Have you guys discovered that? Okay. So we've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. So that's what spiritual fitness is, is developing your vital sixth sense, which is your God consciousness. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, you know, for those of you that are bothered by the word God, we're talking power, and we're talking the awareness of being aware of power greater than me operating through me. I'm somehow not as troubled by things of the world. How many of you have discovered that the world told you you should be angry about something, and you weren't? That's first evidence that you've been empowered by love. That you somehow just can't take offense at something you once found offensive and the rest of the world's coaching you to go back to your spirit of grievance. Not today. True? From your laughter, I assume you know the experience. But that's how we know, right? That's how we know. And so we're going to keep developing that. That's tangible. If you don't know you're getting tangible results... It's going to be hard to continue, isn't it? 
Okay? So then it says we must go further, and that means more action. So now that we're at this level of consciousness, we need to go deeper. Right? Okay? Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. So now I'm not just praying, I'm listening, and I'm learning what to listen to. I'm learning how to have dialogue with the power within me. Make sense? So this isn't a meditation practice like we've heard people talk about. This isn't going to a room, banging a gong, thinking of ponds. This is the conscious walk. This is what I do all day long as I walk around here. This is what you're watching me do right now. I'm constant prayer and meditation because what's coming out of me is flowing through me, but it's not of me. That's why some of you can feel it. Okay? So we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So what works? Prayer works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So sometimes we pray ceaselessly because sometimes it, there's more. But what, I, what they really, the proper attitude is honestly want to and willing to make the effort, right? They told us that in the first step. And, and we have to actually be praying for something we really want to happen. If you, people will say, it doesn't matter, just pray and it'll, it'll work. No, because God doesn't care about prayers you don't care about. God dwells in you. What did they tell you? We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost self. So I can't do that based on a lie. So it requires an element of faith. Because without faith, right, they, I could go biblical, but I'm just stop because i got plenty of biblical scholars here. But the fact is i got to believe God exists. And by the tangible demonstration, I know God exists, and I know he's a rewarder of faith. And so I'm going to move in faith in spite of the evidence because I know that oh, it may not be rewarded in this world, but I will be rewarded because God is not a man that he can lie. These are things I know. Okay. All right. So it would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. Would that be helpful? Yeah, since we're kind of lost. And we're like, okay. So when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Well, that would be a change for most of us, right? How many of you are retired at night destructively reviewed your day? Or destructively reviewed someone else's day? So we're going to constructively review our day, and they're going to tell us what a constructive look at our day looks like. Fair enough? So were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? So did I do what I agreed to do all day as I went along? Probably not. I'm carrying baggage. Maybe some days I did, but some days I didn't. So rather than carry that baggage and have a restless night, let's, let's get working on it, right? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? So how many of you have had a spiritual awakening There's all the steps and is working with others? Some percentage of you? Good, a good percentage of you. So how many of you, because of this, have them when they think they're at this level or they are at this level, you have them call you every night and go over their review with you. You know why we do that? Because if you got enough of them calling you, you'll make sure you do yours. <laughs> Even many years in, right? How many of you, there's a lot of you guys here many years in. And it's still good to have the new ones call and have us review. Anyway, the reason we do this is we want to grow in our awareness of being aware, right? And so we, we've got to, you want to have better rest? Clear the head. 
Okay. Um, so were, were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? That's what a constructive review was. If I wasn't kind and loving toward all, what could I have done better? I can't change that, but I may have an amends to make, I have an approach to make, and I'm going to start growing consciously on how I'd like to be instead of that. I'm going to ask this power that is real and tangible to take me there. Remove from me that selfishness, dishonesty, and resentment and fear that caused me to have that outward manifestation that I don't care for. Right? Okay. So... Or were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking what we could do for others, what we could pack into the stream of life? So do you, as you're contemplating your day, think about what you're gathering unto you? Or do you think about what you can do for others? And have you found that your day tends to go better when you think about what you can do for others and you move in that, as opposed to when you're thinking about what you're getting or not getting? So we're learning to inventory something different. I'm learning to inventory your needs and my blessings instead of my needs and that shit you took from me. Because <laughs> it's just a better way to live, right? Yeah. Okay. So we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. So how many of you did that? Didn't say anything to anyone, but damn it. I wasn't perfect. I hate me. Any of you ever been there? I'm no good. I never should have tried this. Screw it, I'll quit. <laughs> we don't want to go there because every opportunity, every range of emotion is an opportunity to allow someone else to help. It's more blessed to give than to receive. If you'll just offer yourself, you'll grow, right? Okay. So... After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So for people that come in here atheist or agnostic, the obvious question is, why would I want God's forgiveness? I'll just forgive me. <laughs> that makes me cringe because humans are very terrible at forgiveness. We're instruments of forgiveness, a gift that was already given us. And we're trying to grow in consciousness of it. I don't have the power to forgive me because I... I didn't have the power to redeem me. So I don't know why we teach that silly shit, but it's divine power. If I go out and act as an instrument of forgiveness, I'll live in a spirit of forgiveness. Some of you got that. Huh? You got a hit of it, didn't you? Yeah. All right. So what did I do now? We ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. And then it says, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So we went from asking God for forgiveness to waking up. So what happened in between when we asked for more information? Did you hear him? How many of you have had that happen? Not something weird in your psyche, but actually got inspiration in a dream state. Woke up convicted you needed to do something and found out it was something you needed to do. So that's why we want to get in the discipline because, because the realm of the spirit is communicated in dreams and visions and prophecy and, and you will get things in the dream state. Just will. I don't care whether you read a Bible or not. I'm just telling you you will because half the atheists or agnostics got the same experience. They agreed on every word. Right? Okay. So we consider our plans for the... Or let us think about the 24 hours ahead. Let it, when we consider our plans for the day, before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking 
especially asking it to be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. So now we're advanced praying. Instead of, as I go along, watching for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, I'm not only going to do that, but I'm going to ask for protection as I go forward. So remove from me this selfish, dishonest thought. Just get it out of me in advance. So go, go before me and within me. Does that make sense? Okay. And then it tells us another promise. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to you. So why would I want to get in prayer discipline? Because my mind is a tool, but if I'm asleep, I'm the tool of the mind. So the decision I have to make is, do I want to be the tool, or do I want my mind to be a tool to seek God's will, seek opportunities to serve? And if I do, I want to dig into this discipline deep. Yes? Okay. How many of you have had, had the opportunity to learn what it's like to work for your mind? Morbid reflection. Self-pity. Yeah. Okay. So then it goes to talk. Now we're talking about our thought life. Our life is really lived out in our thought life. It's not lived out on this plane. We think it is, but in fact... Everything is painted by our thoughts and how we, right? So, so it, it tells us our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So they always give us the selfish reason why I'd want to develop. I want my thought life on a higher plane because I'm tired of being attached to outcomes and then suffering needlessly when it unfolds to my benefit later or unfolds not to my benefit, but everything eventually turns out to be for my benefit because I learned from it, Right? And it, it, you, the longer I cling to what I think is a bad thing, the longer I'm having a bad experience. So, um, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. That ever happened to any of you? <laughs> this kind of a human thing. So we should be finding commonality here. Any of you just get up some days and go, what in the hell? <laughs> what should I do now? Okay, so if, if you've had that experience, it says we may not be able to determine which course to take. So how many of you had indecision because you had options? How many of you got sober, got released, and all of a sudden had a lot more options than you once had? This would be handy little trick to know how to discipline the thinker, given that although everything's permissible, not everything's beneficial. True? Okay. So here, we ask God for inspiration. So that's simple. God, inspire me. Right? An intuitive thought or decision. So they told me what I'm going to do and what God's going to do. I'm going to ask for inspiration. I'm going to receive an intuitive thought or decision. On the fly. Not in a room with a gong. Not in a, on the fly, because that's when I hose shit. <laughs> As I go along. Okay, so we relax and take it easy. Why would they tell me that? Sometimes when I ask, I think I need an answer quicker than I'm getting it. Has that ever happened to any of you? Sometimes I've already figured out the answer I want before I ask. So it, they say it again. They say don't, we don't struggle because they must have been something like me or I'm something like them because sometimes I've already predetermined what I'd like to have happen and I was just being humble when I said just take care of it. <laughs> I have some specifications for you, however. 
Some of you too, it sounds. Okay, so then it says we're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. How many of you have been surprised how things came to you which used to baffle you, part of the nine-step promises, things that just used to just derail you, all of a sudden you walked through it, felt uncomfortable, told somebody, I feel uncomfortable, and they said, good, that's exactly how you should feel going through this experience. Uncomfortable is standard. If you're overly comfortable, you're either medicated or unaware. True. Okay. So what used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. So now we're, we're walking in faith in the instruction from within. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. So my steps are in form and I'm walking into it. And you think that you can't do this, but some of you were athletes, at least in high school or something, and maybe some of you were receivers or what have you. You ran to where you knew the ball was going to be. You know how to run in faith. True? The ball wasn't there, neither were you. But you ran too. Did you not run in faith? Run the rest of your life that way. So being still an experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. If I were inspired at all times, why would I learn to ask? So it's not probable and it's not even beneficial that I'd be inspired at all times. I have promises for when I'm uninspired and I have disciplines for when I'm uninspired, but I can be grateful when, for when I am inspired, right? And so they're telling me what the manner of living looks like now. So we might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. So how many of you have thought you had an inspiration, done something, and someone thought, man, that's absurd. And you found out you did what you were supposed to do, even though you thought it absurd, and so did other people. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, any of you working with others know this one. You're getting ready to go to dinner, event's been planned for a while, and your buddy calls you. I'm down in the slope under a bush. Can you come pick me up and get me to detox? Sorry, guys. I know we were planning to go to dinner. Harvey's under a bush in the slope. I got to go. Not because I'm a great guy, but because I'd be a shitty dinner partner if I knew Harvey was under a bush because I've been under a bush. That's an absurd action or idea until you know what's up. Right? All right. So we might pray for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. So they just told you the same metaphor I gave you about catching the past that's not there yet. Just keep running the race and believe that it's out there for you. And along the way, help others. Okay? All right, so we usually conclude this period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. So if I am starting to grow, that power, peace, happiness, sense of direction, that I'm going to become confused, I'm going to be needing inspiration, so I'm learning to do this on the fly. Are you seeing what they're talking to me about? All day long as I face indecision, because I can be very convinced I've got it one minute, and then something will change even in my perception, and all of a sudden I'm not inspired. Yeah? You ever had somebody give you a little bit of a twist of information and you thought something was one way and then you got their perception and you go, well, shit, I didn't see it that way. 
I guess we are all screwed, aren't we? <laughs> I was doing fine until that moment. Okay. We just do that, man. Our mind is under constant attack because of worldly things. But none of that out there can steal who we are and whose we are. And we've got to stay disciplined in it. He's the father. We're his children, right? Third step. Most good ideas are simple. It is a simple idea. How come I keep forgetting it? Okay. Because it's too simple. It's just too simple for a brilliant mind. No. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So, what did I do now? I did it again. We conclude the period of we conclude the period of meditation of prayer. We've shown all through the day what our next step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. Many of us, have, or we're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that. It doesn't work. You can easily see why. So we like to pay attention to the it does work. We don't always like to pay attention to the it doesn't work. They learned it doesn't work by experience. And if you're they said we could easily see why because they're assuming we are where they are. So how many of you can't easily see why we don't want to pray for selfish ends? Because sometimes, I mean, it's okay to not understand it. How many of you, when you got here, had a lot of problems? How many of you prayed to have those problems go away? I promise I'll get better. How many of you found that you were empowered to walk through those problems and in that you... Your self-esteem came up and your guilt, shame, and remorse went away. And so God removed those things that you asked him to remove, but it wasn't the externals. It was the internals that I didn't know I had. And so all these difficult preparations prepared me now as a servant, but I didn't know it then. I would have asked for a pass, right? So now you can easily see why, right? Okay. Because if you can't easily see why, this is what someone helping you with the book would help you see. Our process will disclose that to you, and then God will reveal himself to you. Okay? All right, so if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. So how would I know if circumstances warrant? They'd ask. Because religion isn't something people want to learn from my mouth they want to learn from my walk once they see it they'll ask me why my life seems different right because all of us have been prejudiced by right okay so if we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion we attend to that also so if you have a morning devotion you have a religious practice do that in addition to your aa practice but your aa practice is a disciplined walk right and then whatever your morning devotion is, that's just an additional practice. It's not AA, right? All right, so if not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we've been discussing. So if you don't like any of these and thous, then you do whatever you, you know, God, please discipline my thoughts, especially to be divorced of self pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. That's pretty innocuous. You can use that all day until you, God tells you his name. Okay? All right, so there are many helpful books. Also, suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. 
be quick to see where religious people are right. Notice they said be quick to see where religious people are right, not be quick to see that religious people are right. And what you may learn, because we have cultures. How many of you come from a religious lane, a faith-based lane? So there's a language there, right? And, and sometimes they're not too fond of 12-steppers. They recognize the language. How many of you are 12-steppers and you know that there's a language in our rooms? And we're not too fond sometimes of religious stuff. But we're talking about the same power. So what we want to do is, is confirm these guys' experience with older wisdom and then grow in the spirit. Does that make sense? Because yeah. we've ceased fighting anyone or anything. If you missed that chapter, we got to re review. <laughs> so then it says make use of what they offer. Well, what do they offer? Fellowship, instruction, confirmation. This is only 180 pages. There's all kinds of confirmation in these other books, yes? So just to edify yourself, you may want to just see what's up, right? We've, we've done a lot more study on a lot less important things. How many of you had an had a intense study on meth making? <laughs> Explosives available in your kitchen. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. Any of you ever been agitated or doubtful? Did you pause or did you just go off? So they're starting to talk about tangible evidence, and they're also talking about starting to get disciplined. So sometimes I'm empowered to pause because that's the proper use of the will, and sometimes I recognize that I have fallen asleep because I do not pause when agitated or doubtful. I go off. That ever happened to any of you? And then you keep in mind the words they use. They mean the agitator in your washing machine just creates a gentle stirring. So as you grow in the spirit, Pay attention to the gentle stirrings because there'll be opportunities to serve. Pause when agitated or doubtful and you may find that you're missing a miracle that you do not need to miss today. Okay? All right. So it says that we ask for the right thought or action. How many of you have paused, weren't sure why, asked, and got information? So keep going because that will happen for you. Okay? We constantly remind ourselves that we are no longer running the show. What does constantly mean? <laughs> Same as the constant they told me that watch as this gets turn as I go along because the, the world will lie to me about who I am and whose I am. It will constantly try and steal my identity and I have to be on guard for that. Okay? And then it says, humbly, we're no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. The not mine is gone. I no longer live in the delusion I have a will apart from God because I have been awakened to the spirit. Does that make sense? And then it says we're then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. Would you like to be in less danger of those? Because we hate admitting we're wrong. We hate being inefficient. We hate being afraid because all of that inefficiency is driven by fear. Does that make sense? And once we know that the fear is what drives the outward manifestation, we become more loving and tolerant towards our fellows because we do know what fear feels like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
All right. So then it says, we become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. Those of you that are brand new to fellowship and you haven't got really into your disciplines yet in program, most of you have started showing up. Most of you have started making a contribution. You've become more efficient even though you're not that spiritually aware. So the promise comes right away and you, if you'll walk with us, we'll help you grow in your awareness so that you'll be incentivized to seek deeper. Make sense? Okay. So it says it works. It really does. What works? The process works to reveal God to me through me. It really does. That's their witness. Then it says we alcoholics are undisciplined. Now they're talking about them we, but if you find yourself there. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we've just outlined. So now they're confirming for us that all these disturbances are just God disciplining me. He's not testing you, he's testing the equipment he created. If you buy a car, they drove it on a test track. Welcome to the test track. God driving you to see how you hold up, but not your spirit. He's the creator. You don't, okay. It's going to be okay. Your destination's cool. You're good. Okay. But this is not all. There's action and more action. Faith without works is dead. They said it again. Where does that come from? Book of James. And two reasons that we know of for sure. I prove the power to me, through me, because half of them were atheists or agnostics. The other reason is that faith is demonstrable. It's witnessable by others. So if I'm going to show others my faith, I'm going to have to act. Right? And then they'll be attracted. Attraction rather than promotion. All start to tie together? Cool. We're getting there. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. Thank you very much. See you in a week.